Uh, we're in 2 Peter chapter 3. We worked our way last week down through the first nine verses or so, and, and we talked about uh, Peter uh, looking at some things of, of an eschatological nature, end times nature. Uh, we, we focused a good bit last week on those first couple of verses uh, where he says, stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, remembrance that you'd be mindful of, of uh, the words which were spoken, and, and we talked about what that meant, uh, the pure mind, the sincere mind, uh, by way of remembrance, and we talked about mindful being an active remembrance, uh, something that spurs you on to action. Uh, we looked at verses 3 and 4, understanding the perspective of the apostate towards Christ's return, or the, the end times that we believe are coming, and and of course, uh, we talked about how they're driven by their own selfish lust uh, and their own uh, fleshly desires. We talked about their proof, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, they'll represent or they'll present to you is that it hasn't happened yet. You've been saying it all these years, it hasn't occurred yet. Uh, we also talked about a proper view of time according to scriptures, how Peter lays out there uh, that, you know, the past uh, and the creation, and he talks about the flood, he talks about the present world and how it's reserved uh, for a day of judgment by the same God that created it and judged it the first time. Uh, he, he speaks about uh, time as is relative to the Lord. We, we spent a little bit of time talking about the idea that one day is as a thousand years is not a literal, uh, this equals that, but it is showing that God is outside of time and he is not constrained by time. And, and so we left off last week stating that the day of the Lord will come. And that picks us up in verse 10, and so we'll pick up there uh, reading, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things hard to be understood, are some things which are hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we want to look through these verses and 
Uh, I want you to understand that Peter is not giving us a detailed chronological timeline of the end times. He is talking about them as a whole. What is uh, they are going to come, how they're going to come, what is the end result of them. It's not his position here to define each and every event of the end times, but his position here is to inform and to warn and to remind that the day will come. And he is describing uh, in the day that he describes the purification and the final judgment against this world system. You and I would know from our own studies and from our own reading that the very next event on the Lord's calendar is the rapture of the church and that nothing has to be accomplished for that to occur. Uh, it is imminent. Uh, any moment it could occur uh, and that when that occurs, uh, we will uh, leave this place, the seven years of tribulation and what is known as the end of the times of the Gentiles will will come to fruition. This is going to provide the purification of the Jews to whom Christ will return uh, and establish his kingdom. And when he does, we'll be with him. Uh, this is the truth that we need to know. The, the truth that needs to be grasped in this particular uh, verse and in this particular issue or episode is that this day will come and the commencement of it will be sudden and it could be compared to as a thief in the night. And so the idea is that it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. He's going to describe what, how you want to be found when it does happen. And, and he's going to, he's informing us that it's going to come and no one can stop it from coming. No one can change or alter the plan of God. It will come as promised, to the desired end, in the proper time, and that is a fact. And we ought to embrace that. And I'm afraid that a failure to embrace that very simple fact leads to a lot of uh, not only improper doctrine and improper teaching, but improper living, because the idea is that we're trying to extend something that is cursed. Uh, you're not going to save this planet. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter how many taxes you pay or how many laws you pass. You're not going to save this planet. It's cursed. And uh, you're not going to save mankind as a whole. And, and so we embrace that knowing that these things are going to happen. I guess the question that we would say is what should we do in the meantime, and really, that's directly where Peter goes when he says, verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? And, and so what he's uh, saying here is, uh, since this is a fact, since we know this is occurring, then we should be living lives of godliness and holiness as defined in the scriptures. Uh, we should not be attached to this planet or or this world, or the things of this world, because they're all going to burn up, and we're not going to keep them anyway. And so, uh, and 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 in the end, we should be anxiously awaiting the return of Christ. That's what he says there when he when he says, "Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God." He's talking about that that we should be 
uh, looking for and hasting unto and anxiously desiring these events to begin. Because in the, when they begin, uh, look, uh, the beginning is great for you and I. We're out of here. And so uh, if we think about that idea of anxiously awaiting or looking and hasting unto or waiting for and hastening the day, it depends on which scripture uh, version you're holding, I would direct you to Luke chapter 12, verse 35 through 47. You don't turn there now, but write that. You'll remember this as we read it. It's a parable in which the Lord was speaking, and this is what he says. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord when, and he's, this is a small L-O-R-D, he's talking about the Lord of the house, that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, listen to this, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. That's, that's the epitome, I guess you would say, or maybe even expositionally related to this idea of looking for and hasting unto the day of the Lord, that, that we are ready for it. Now, he would go on to describe, and, and he would say, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh and shall find watching, Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh in an hour you think not. And he's not talking about a literal hour. He's talking about when you have fallen down in your expectation or fallen down in your preparedness. And, and we don't want to be that. He would go on to say, uh, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. And he's already described the actions of being busy about the work of the house. He, he would go on to say again in that parable, if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and he shall begin to beat the men servants and the maidens and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him asunder and will appoint him his portion, portion excuse me, with the unbelievers. Again, he's talking about a failure to be prepared. And you and I are not concerned about uh, having our portion appointed with the unbelievers. If you're born again, you're born again. You can't be unborn. But we are concerned about uh, the Lord finding you uh, not prepared for his return. Not in fellowship or not in service or not spiritually prepared and and really Peter is going to talk about that here in a moment we'll look at that in verses 14 down I want you to notice first verse 13 he says nevertheless we according we according to his promise look for new heavens and new earth where new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness and so uh, last week we talked about that past world the flood we talked about the present world and and it being reserved and here he's talking about the promised world or the future and so for the believer, the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord uh, or the coming of the Lord holds promise of better things. It's, it's that we know that during the events of the tribulation, we're not going to be here. 
we're going to be there with the Savior. And as soon as time is fulfilled, we're going to return with the victorious Savior. And in time, uh, we're going to see the fulfillment of this promise of a new heaven and a new earth. These promises are exactly like all of the other promises of the Scriptures. They're going to come to pass. If you live daily believing uh, that, that uh, lo, I go with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Those are promises that most of us have embraced, and they're a part of our DNA as a born-again believer. These promises are the same. They're going to occur. They are, they are absolute. And so, so Peter's uh, shared with us what these end times look like. Starting in verses 14 through 18, he's, he's going to share with us the, some, the premise for a productive Christian life. Knowing these things are true, Wherefore, beloved, look what he says there in verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. Okay, so we, we know those things are coming. We're looking for those things. We're even uh, anxiously, pardon me, awaiting them. We're looking forward to them. So seeing that, these are some things that you should do. And he says there, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot. And blameless. I want you to first see that idea of being diligent. That simply means to be ready or to do your best or in this case expect him daily, uh, that you look for him on a daily basis, that you don't fall into the trap of lethargy or laxity. And, and look, we know that diligence may look different in various areas of our life, but this is the, the common rule each in each area there should be diligence that leads to faithfulness watchfulness preparedness righteousness holiness and the like if we keep in mind that the master the the creator the one who purchased me with his own blood is soon returning or the alternative to that is i'm soon departing both of those are true statements. Both, either of those could be correct. Either way, I am mentally and spiritually prepared to, to meet him. I want to be ready to open the door immediately. I was thinking this afternoon um, about a, you know, a way to, to think of that, and, and this probably won't help anybody but me, and so I'm just going to share it with you. Uh, but, you know, I'm the baby of eight. So I've got seven older brothers and sisters. Uh, there was five boys and three girls. And uh, finally, uh, God blessed them with me. And they said, praise the Lord. Finally, the right one. And so they were able to, uh, to stop all of that nonsense. And so uh, as we were growing up, uh, you know, uh, it was in the, the 70s. And so many of you would remember this. Uh, but, you know, things weren't like they are now. There wasn't restaurants everywhere and you didn't stop at a convenience store every time you went out. And, and with eight of us and uh, mom and dad both working two jobs apiece, a job and a paper out apiece, and, and the older kids working and chipping in, you know, you just got what you got. And so um, you didn't get a lot of Cokes and candy bars and stuff like that. But my dad was a busy fella. And without fail, uh, as far back as I can remember, 
he would come to me on Saturday mornings early. He would come in there and he would shake me. And when I opened my eyes, this is what he'd say. Do you want to go with me? There was one answer. You didn't say, I don't know, where are we going? Because he would leave. I did that a couple times and he left. Uh, you didn't go back to sleep. You didn't take your time. When he said, do you want to go with me? As you were getting out of the bed, you said yes. And you went with him. Well, guess what happened when you went with dad on Saturday? You got a biscuit? Nobody else got a biscuit. Uh, you get a Coke and a Moon Pie or a candy bar or something in the afternoon. Now, you're probably going to do some work during the day, but you had him all to yourself. The other seven weren't there. And so I learned early, yes, yep, I want to go with you. Might have to pick up rocks today, but I'm going to get a couple things that everybody else is not going to get. And to hear them tell it, I got everything they didn't get. Listen, that's the idea of being ready. Uh, you know that the Lord's going to return. You want to be ready, anxiously awaiting, being diligent. He, he would go on to say, not only diligent, uh, that, that we are diligent, but that we may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And, and when we think about that uh, without spot, uh, that, that word there is aspilos. Uh, it it is, is talking about uh, purity or uh, 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 being right, uh, be a pure religion, if you will. James uses it this way. Uh, in James 1.27, he says, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted, unspotted as pillows, from the world. It's, it's that idea. He's talking about our personal walk with the Lord, our purity and walk and action and deed. We might consider this as holiness or Christ-likeness, having allowed the blessed Holy Spirit free reign in our lives and by obedience being conformed more and more to his image that we're ready. We are, we've been diligent. We are, when he comes, we're going to be found without spot. Doesn't mean sinless, perfect. It means that we're walking closely with him. And then he goes on to say being found without blemish. And you may see that as blameless picture. Uh, this is speaking about our spiritual readiness as well. Uh, I, I used to hear preachers say all the time, uh, uh, prayed up, studied up, and ready to go up. It's kind of that picture, that idea. Uh, uh, we would, we would uh, not having deep roots or big treasures here in this world, but rather living our lives for God, invested, investing all of our hopes and dreams and desires in accomplishing His will on this earth. Paul put it this way in Philippians 2.15, uses the same word, that you may be blameless, the same word, and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's what he's looking for in us. He, that, that comment that you may be found uh, of him in peace, this is a pretty interesting comment as well. Uh, at peace, I would say at peace with God. That, 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 
that when he speaks of peace, we get the idea of being at peace with God, not in, not in an active rebellion. All of your sins are, are confessed and repented from, seeking to gladly encounter the presence of God with no regrets, no disappointments. Again, Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, uh, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's that same picture. And so we get a very clear picture of, of what looking for and hasting unto the day of God looks like. He also says, uh, as we move forward, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. So uh, Peter's already stated that uh, up in, in verse uh, 9 where the Lord's not slack, but he's long-suffering because he's not willing that any would perish. And so uh, we would not be uh, correct to wring our hands and, 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 oh, woe is me, why doesn't the Lord come back today? Well, you, you don't know who is in need of that long-suffering. And so we're thankful for the long-suffering of God because at some point, his long-suffering meant our salvation. And at this point, his long-suffering is meaning somebody else's salvation. And so as we wait and we anxiously look unto the coming of the Lord, we also understand that every day that he waits is another day for someone to be saved. There used to be an old bluegrass song. You guys know I'm all about bluegrass. Wait a little longer, sweet Jesus. That's, that's the bluegrass song, and that's what he's talking about. Is There's a few more. Just wait a little longer, and that's the idea of being thankful for the long-suffering of God, and, and that it should become so much a part of our thinking that we're constantly looking for someone to share the gospel with. See, that would be the action that would come out of that. What, what if, uh, you know, we've been told all of our lives that there's one that's going to be the last one, and what if you could witness to the last one? What if, what if in the midst of the, the toils of, of this life and the difficulties of this world and, and the, the, the enclosing of society as you're in your prayer time and you're, you're begging God for, for, for safety and, and for deliverance and, and for the easing of pain and you go to the gas station and witness to somebody and they get saved and that would be the one. That, I mean, it could be that way. It's, it's that idea of, of understanding that it's part of what we're here for and so that, that in our mind, that could be the one. And we want to see that one fulfilled. And then lastly in verse 18, and, and look, I don't want to skip over this. It's just not part of what we're trying to accomplish here. There's great uh, value in the fact that Peter mentions the Apostle Paul. And he mentions his epistles here because it qualifies those epistles as the inspired word of God. So you don't take that lightly. And there's a study that could be done there. It's just not part of what we're doing. But, and, and not to mention the book of Galatians was basically written as an open rebuke to the apostle Peter. And Peter is here accepting that rebuke and, and, and claiming that Paul is, is a beloved brother. So there's, there's a picture of Christian brotherhood right there that more of us need to, to see. But finally, in verse 18, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And here Peter reminds us again that, that we should be growing. It's not, listen, you, you, at some point we have to take ownership of our spiritual place and realize that it's not that we could be growing. It's not a wish that we would be growing. It is a fact that we should be growing. And, and Peter says here, growing in first in grace. Uh, and so how many, how many of us, and, and look, I hope that you, you have this testimony, and I'm not telling you, uh, I'm not saying this in a way that I'm trying to claim anything. I'm telling you it should be a part of, of your sanctification or more, uh, more apt to provide grace today than you were five years ago. That should be a continual thing. The more we think about uh, the grace that God has afforded us, uh, you, you should, uh, I would challenge you one day uh, to speak to Brother Bill Hester when he comes in. Now, here's Brother Bill. Uh, he's struggling, struggling with his health, his mobility. He's been faithful uh, to preach 38 years, I believe it is until just the last few months on the corner and winder up there. Uh, not sought any stars or any glory, just preached. He's struggling a little bit with his, with his, uh, his comprehension. Sometimes it's not all he would like it to be. But when he comes in the back door of the church, if you'll say to him, Brother, how are you doing today? This is what he's going to say. I'm still blessed. If you sit and talk to him for a minute, before long, he's going to say this. I just can't get over the fact that God would love me. I just, sometimes he'll say, sometimes when I'm praying, I say, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure that you love Bill Hester? That... Listen, the longer we think about who we really are, and you know who you are, and the longer we think about how God's loved us and pro provided us with grace instead of judgment, <laughs> uh, that ought to play itself out in your life. I mean, there ought to be a time where you give more and more grace because you're growing in grace. You're going to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is going to pay dividends. But it should be happening. It should be actively going on. And it won't if you don't pursue it. So we could, as we close this study, how would you grade yourself there in that area of growing in grace and knowledge of being productive, fruitful, or are you at peace with God, or keeping a short list, as Doc says, are you growing daily in grace and in knowledge, and I mean daily, and so Peter is taking time in these two epistles to warn of the dangers and perils of persecution from without that will be perpetrated upon the body of Christ by the unbelieving world, so we should not be surprised by that. We, we should not be, uh, you know, shocked and flabbergasted and 
speechless. Uh, indeed, we should expect it and be prepared for it. He spent this second epistle warning of perversion that would come from seemingly from the inside, from within the church. John would tell us in his epistles that, uh, listen, they weren't of us or they would not have gone out from us, but they felt like they were part of us. They outwardly looked like us and at one point in time spoke like we did. And so Peter's warning about that and saying that we should be on guard against such and the way to do that is to be in the Word so that you know fallacy when you hear it. If it's not true to the Word, it's not true. It's simply not true. It's not somebody's opinion. It's not their truth. It's not their interpretation. It's just false. It's not true. And, and we, we should not be shocked or shaken when that occurs. We should just be prepared. And so with those thoughts... It's my prayer that you be encouraged and that we would look for and hasten unto the coming of the day of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this good night. Thank you, Lord, for this Bible study. Father, I pray you'd help us to look into these things, to consider them, to meditate upon them, Lord, that we might experience growth in the right ways, in the right areas. Father, we love you tonight. We pray you'd bless our time of prayer as we move forward.